listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. You may remember that a few episodes ago, I was talking about uh, the situation that somebody had written in, and they'd asked the question about having gone to therapy one single time. And after one single session, the therapist said, well, you might as well accept it. You have to get divorced. The interesting thing about it in this particular situation is the word divorce had not come up at that point. The spouse had not said, we definitely have to get divorced. It, it just kind of came from the therapist. And the question was what had happened. And so during that episode, I talked a good bit about what often happens when there is an issue in therapy. And as you remember, there are a couple of reasons that we get into trouble. One is that when we might be kind of dragging in a spouse that really doesn't want to be in therapy, that that's tends to be a problem. A second problem is when uh, it's not clear kind of where you're headed, what the orientation is. Say, for instance, that a therapist is much more trained as an individual therapist than a marital therapist, but is seeing a couple, they have a hard time understanding who the client is, the client being the relationship, not an individual. So there is a secondary uh, problem there. Then there are other issues behind that, but What that often leads to is some frustration in the midst of a therapy process. It sometimes is a last-ditch effort. But what happens if maybe a spouse goes to therapy not really even intending on working on the relationship, but really to be able to say, well, we went to therapy. We did everything we could. In other words, what if the therapy is the excuse for how things can't work out and is the proof because the therapist said so. Well, that's kind of the heart of today's question. We're going to extend it a little bit further because I want to talk about the disrespect piece. Maybe somebody says, you're disrespecting my feelings when you keep working on this. It's kind of a two-piece to this. This is my continuing work to answer your questions. So let's say you have a question that you want to have answered. Well, the easy way to get that to me is to send it to podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. Ask for your question. Now, I am looking for the kind of the Goldilocks of questions. Uh, So if it's way too broad, like how do you save your marriage, right? That's what I created the Save the Marriage system for. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. Sometimes it gets so specific that if I was answering your question on an episode, it wouldn't be of benefit to anybody else because it's just so specific to your situation. And so I'm looking for the questions that are a little broader. You might tell me a little bit more about the details of your specific situation, but you need to make it a broad question uh, that might benefit others. So today, Jim had that question. And by the way, Jim, G-E-M, not Jim like the male name, Jim, but Jim wanted to have this question answered. And so uh, she says that he even went to to therapy uh, simply so he could say he had tried therapy and it didn't work. And so the question is, what does it mean to really accept your spouse's feeling? And she says, does this include going against your values of commitment and loyalty of wanting to save your marriage. Now, she also notes that I often say you can save your marriage even if only one of you wants to, that being probably you listening to this. And so I want to comment about that in just a minute, but let's continue on with with her question. She says, 
So, uh, yet, when they find out that you're trying to work on the marriage, they still see that as disrespecting their feelings, their feeling being that they want to leave the relationship. And Jim says, rightly so, in fact, I feel working on the marriage is the epitome of accepting of their feelings, and she makes a really good statement about how she's thinking through that. And so she says, so was I disrespectful of my partner's feelings by wanting to save my marriage? Okay, so first of all, let's kind of go through some reasons that sometimes people use this little phrasing of, you know, if you keep wanting to save your marriage, you're disrespecting me. You're not accepting what I want. It's interesting we get into this little competition. You know, it's, it's kind of who's going to uh, own the right to their feelings, who's going to own the right to make the choices. So first of all, I want you to notice something about this. First of all, it is a way of trying to convince you to give up and walk away. You're not listening to me. You're disrespecting me when you try to keep on working on the relationship, or as I've heard it before, when you try to keep on loving me, when you try to keep me married, when you try to save this relationship. All of those phrasings are all about one thing, using something to try to convince you to back off, to give up, to walk away, to make it easy. Now, it, we don't need to make it difficult, right? Because there's another reality to this that I also want to point out. And that is that you really, and this is my second point about this, you really can't stop someone. That's the thing, in, at least in the United States and in many other countries, you can't stop someone who decides they're going to get divorced. So it's really, in some ways, a way of them trying to deal with their guilt, it would be so much easier for them to just kind of walk away, feel no bad things about this, actually pretend like it's nobody's fault, it's no big deal, that you know, thing, people do this all the time. I mean, that's the kind of things I hear all the time from people. Divorce is no big deal anymore. They are correct that it's no big deal in terms of societal acceptance. There was a day when if you got, got divorced, you would be kind of shunned from maybe your religious group or maybe your peer group or your community, and people would look kind of askance at you. That, fortunately, that's gone. That's not the same stigma in our society, but that doesn't mean that it's not without pain and it's not without damage. It just means that you're not going to be held back forever for, for having gotten a divorce. Now, the damage is much more about the emotional impact and, and in many ways, the economic impact uh, and the relational impact. Those are irrefutable. We have very clear evidence that there are effects, emotional effects on both the children and the, the people who get divorced. There, there's no doubt about that. There is clearly an economic factor to this. Divorce can be crippling economically to many people. In the U.S., the average cost of divorce is somewhere twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars, depending on who's calculating that. That's the average legal cost, not the average, you know, kind of what you lose out of your assets, but the legal cost. See, the deceptive thing is that many times attorneys ask for a retainer of three to five thousand dollars. People don't realize that that's kind of the down payment, and you have to double that if both sides have representation, which is kind of the way it needs to be. So suddenly it gets to be a very expensive proposition. It's just to take, not many people can write 
twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars out of their accounts to do that. And even if they could, that's probably painful. Much less what happens when you start splitting things up. So there are real costs emotionally, psychologically, economically in terms of a divorce. And so a lot of times people are like, oh, it's no big deal anymore. Well, it's quite a big deal. I'll take it even a, a step past that, speaking kind of philosophically. When you've made a commitment that you choose not to live in just because you're not feeling it right then, I think that also says something about where we are culturally and how we think about this issue of family and what it means. And so when people say, you know, you shouldn't be able to hold me hostage, let me go back to the reality. You can't. It's not possible. In the United States and in many other places, we have what has been termed no-fault divorce, which would be better understood as unilateral decision to divorce, because in many no-fault situations, there is somebody who doesn't want to divorce, but the no-fault just meant that we don't have to figure out whose fault it is in order to proceed to the divorce. And another time, there had to be a cause, there had to be a reason to dissolve the relationship, and We've gotten rid of that, so there's no fault that has to be proven. Now, let me just kind of as a side note mean that doesn't mean there was no fault involved, that there was no reason for the divorce, that it just kind of came out of the blue. It just means you don't have to establish that fault. And so we're at the place of creating a no claim to fault, a unilateral decision to divorce. So if somebody says, you know what, um, you, we just need to, you need to respect my decision and uh, not disrespect my feelings because we're going to go on with this. The reality is it doesn't matter whether you, in their words or in their feelings, disrespect it. They can march right on through the process. That's not the point. There's something bigger to this point. The other thing I want to point out, uh, another point of this, is that when somebody is saying, you're not respecting my feelings to get out, they're indicating something very clear. The decision that's happening is not a we decision. Remember, kind of the, the core of what I work towards is rebuilding that sense and sometimes even establishing, not reestablishing, but actually establishing for the first time, a sense of being a we, a team. We're in this together. We are one. That's what should happen in a marriage. And if somebody's able to say, I want this, you are disrespecting my feelings. We've created a you versus me, which is the opposite of being a we. So it's a symptom of the issue that's at hand in the relationship. But it also raises one other point that I just want to point to here. What about the respect for your wishes? You know, why does the person get to choose to walk away? And that's the, the feeling that has to be respected versus you're wanting to work on the relationship. And why isn't that the feeling that gets to be represented and moved towards and worked on? There is a reality of marriage, and that is that it is a majority choice. In fact, let's call it a unanimous choice. Every day, people decide to stay married. There, is, there are two votes to stay married. When I get up in the morning, 
I don't have to actively vote against my marriage or vote for my marriage. I'm passively voting for my marriage every day I stay married, and my wife is doing the same thing. And there are times during the year when we kind of affirm that, right? I mean, that's an anniversary time. An anniversary is kind of like saying, hey, here we are. Here we go again, right? And we can kind of look through other times where we can be intentional about this. Uh, maybe some couples would choose to be intentional. Uh, I once knew a couple that every five years sat down and made a conscious choice to stay married. And they start off with saying, okay, you know, we could stop now. Do we choose to continue? And for many, many years, they have decided every five years to reaffirm that. It's kind of like when we you know, vote people in or out of office. They're voting their relationship back on the table again. The fact is that it only takes one vote to vote it down. One person out of the two can say, I'm out, and that's the end of it. So that's reality. So let's go back to this whole point that Jim is making. Because what she says is that. She says, I think that working on the marriage is the epitome of of accepting their feelings because, and she has a statement, she says, I acknowledge your feelings, so let's go get help. And what do you need for me to do to fix this problem? I'm here listening to you and acknowledging when you have said something is wrong and you're unhappy and miserable. So what can I do to address the issues you have raised in order to make the marriage happy for you and us again? You see, there are two pieces to that that kind of statement that people often make. I'm not happy. I'm unhappy in this relationship. I don't want to be in this relationship. Why don't you respect that? So there are two parts of that. I'm not happy and I want to get out. I am unhappy and I want to get out are actually two different pieces you can address. Many times when I'm working with people, in fact, almost always when I'm working with people, it's not that the person I'm working with is thrilled with the relationship and feeling great about the relationship. They just don't think that the answer to it is to leave the relationship. They think the answer is to work on it and get it to a place that they both would treasure. So what one spouse often thinks is, oh, you must be happy with this. I'm not. When in fact, both people can be unhappy. It's just that one person sees that there is a way forward. So let's go with what do you do about this? First of all, I think it is fair to say it's not about me disrespecting your feelings as much as me not believing that we're at the same place, me not feeling the same way. And someone could even say, you know, I, I just need to be clear. I'm not wanting us to have the relationship we've had. I just think that the way to solve it is to create a new relationship, to fix what was not working, to heal what was hurt and find something better. In other words, the solution is not to undo, but to solve and fix. So here's the situation as I often see it. One person is saying, hey, I tried therapy, right? And so let's just go for a moment with that piece because I I said I would comment on that. Trying therapy, in my mind, is not going to therapy. And it's certainly not going to therapy one time. Trying coaching is not going to a coaching session, but it's investing in it. It's kind of like if someone joins a gym and they're like, you know, I tried to get in shape. I mean, I joined the gym, but they never worked out or never met with a trainer or never followed through on what was advised. They shouldn't be surprised when they got no results. I mean, that's kind of how we feel about anything, right? 
Maybe you sign up for some course and you say, well, you know, I signed up for that course. That didn't mean you learned anything if you didn't work on it, if you didn't practice or try it. And the same is true with for therapy. Saying you tried therapy means that you put effort in, not that you showed up. So part of what I often suggest that couples do at the beginning of therapy is to actually have some discussion about how are they going to implement what is said in therapy? How are they going to actualize that? Let me step one further back and tell you that if you feel like you're trying to force a spouse to go to therapy, stop. Don't do that. It won't work. It really will only make things worse. So let's say that a spouse decides to go to therapy and you say, okay, so what's our intention at therapy? And you get something that resembles a, well, just so we can say we did it. That's when you say, you know what, I'd rather not. Because if we're not going to, uh, if you're not going to invest, I mean, you can claim for yourself that you're going to, if you're not going to invest in the process, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of a process that it's just lip service, just going through the motions. It's a waste of time, energy. It's a waste of my hope. And frankly, I think it's dishonest. So that can help alleviate the, the feeling, the need to go to therapy when you know you're, dry, you're, you're kind of dragging a spouse in who is not really wanting to be invested. So then you don't have to set up a scenario where an expert was involved, and I put that in air quotes, an expert was involved and we can't fix this. So the second thing is, if they truly want to go, to make sure that you find competent, good help. There are lots of great therapists as individuals, great, ther- great people doing therapy as individuals. That doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to provide the services that you need for marital work. They might do great work to help one of you, but helping not just the two of you, but the we of you, the marriage, that's a whole different skill set. So make sure you're getting good, competent help. And the next thing I kind of want to point to is the fact that going to therapy and announcing you're working on the marriage is not necessary for working on the marriage. There are many people who manage to work on the relationship and the spouse isn't on alert because the way they do it is by working on building the connection, rebuilding, changing creating new paths. That's kind of the method that I always talk about. The three C's, connect with your spouse, change yourself, create a new path. That's kind of the linchpins that I point to is what has to happen. Now notice, changing yourself never has to be something that's really told to a spouse. You don't have to announce that you're doing that. In fact, I would suggest you not announce that. You can connect with someone without saying, hey, we need to work on our connection. I mean, we do that every day in real life. Let's say you have a friend. You don't call your friend and say, hey, I want to build a little more connection with you. I think maybe we need to get coffee together so we can talk together and rebuild the connection. You say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. And you chat and you do the connecting thing without talking about it. In fact, one of the things I often point at is that you can either connect or you can talk about connecting. But rarely is talking about connecting doing anything to connect you. So it's not necessary to announce that you're working on it or trying to fix it or anything else for you to continue that. And I think it's entirely fair when somebody says, 
What about respecting my feelings to say, well, we, we both have feelings and I certainly accept that you don't see a path forward. I understand that's where you are. It's not where I am. At this point, that's not where I am. I believe there's a better way forward that I see and I understand you don't. We just at this point don't see the same thing. If somebody is insisting on moving forward with a divorce, you don't have to join the bandwagon. They can do it without that. But if your conscience is not clear about moving forward, why would you? My feeling is that there is a, a place where you can speak back to the other person kind of insisting on moving forward. In a sense saying, you know, I've also got to respect my own sense of ethics and morality and what's right and what's important. And I choose to follow that. If you want to continue, I can't stop you. I understand that. But I've got to do what's important to me too. Yes, they are not going to be happy about that. Yes, they are going to push against you. And yes, that still is important to do. So, Jim, I hope I touched all your questions. I do not believe, I do not agree that working on the marriage is disrespecting their feelings. But you got to make sure that you are saying, I understand your feelings. I get that. I also believe that when you move forward with um, any kind of help, that you make sure that, that that help matches the investment that's involved at that point. In other words, if your spouse isn't invested, be careful about uh, you know, the, being the one to walk in to allow them to tear it down further. Be cautious about that. All in all, though, let me answer this. If you have a spouse who is not wanting to work on the relationship, and you still do, my advice would be to grab the Save the Marriage system. Jump into that system and work through it. Not only that, but take advantage of all the resources. I mean, that is the thing about this. There's kind of a time limit. The longer this goes, the worse it gets. And so you want to take advantage of everything you can on the front side. That's why I suggest it so heavily. So one thing you can do is when I offer it to grab my free week of VIP virtual coaching, that will be a great help to you. It's got a lot of other resources, including how you write an apology letter and how you build a plan and how you give space, that's emotional space, how you understand that, all these other resources that are there for people who are ready to step to that next level. Not everybody wants that. Some people just need a basic system to get going. That's the Save the Marriage system. Other people want to go ahead and step into the next thing. That's VIP. That's the virtual intensive program. And I give you a free week of it. So why not try it out? In the process of grabbing the system, I'll make the offer to you. You have to turn it down. I don't force it on you. The other piece is that for anybody who grabs the system, we guarantee it for anybody in the United States, but we try to offer it to everybody in the world that wants to, we'll have a coach contact you. One of my coaches will contact you to make sure you're getting started the most effective and efficient way you can so that you can make full use of the system. And all you have to do is sign up for that. There's a, a magic button on your download page. You click that, uh, answer a few questions for us to contact you, and one of the coaches contacts you to set that up at your convenience. So that's a great resource you don't want to pass up. All of that's included. No obligation for either the free week of VIP or the get started session with one of my coaches, but you got to start. 
And so if you're feeling like you're, you're going to be working this yourself, or if you've got a spouse working with you, either way, the Save the Marriage system works. And you can find that by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.